So let's take out our Bibles. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to conclude Make War. Believe it or not, this is the seventh week of this series. And uh, I'm really starting to like long series. It's nice to be in and settled in, and sometimes we just hit and run. But I I have enjoyed this series. I uh, have gotten many comments from many of you, uh, all good, and uh, just how helpful that has been to to you and and even people who I see in stores and and, uh, on the street now. And and they run into me and they tell me, man, this series has been awesome. And and so I am so grateful for that. That has been a blessing to you. It's been a blessing to me. Uh, I believe and I pray and my hope and my heart is that you are more than ever, you are well equipped to handle the spiritual battle that you're in every day of your life. Um, And then if you missed any of the parts, you can always go to uh, waterschurch.org and watch them online and catch up with us uh, or just watch them uh, through your iPhone uh, or your Android phone. Although if you watch through your iPhone, uh, God is well pleased with you. And if you watch through the Android, well, then the devil is happy. Um, The title of the message today is Don't Just Stand There, Pray Something. Don't just stand there, pray something. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. I want to read when we started way back, uh, believe it or not, the first week we started this was right before July 4th. And uh, when we started, we read the first few verses, verse 10 of chapter 6 in Ephesians, finally be strong in the Lord. This is verse 10. Be strong in the Lord. Somebody say, be strong. And then he says, and in the strength of his might. Somebody say, it's his might. So he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And then he's going to list the armor, and we're going to skip down to verse 17, like last week, and repeat this. Uh, He says, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, verse 18, praying. Uh, So take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying. Don't let there be a comma. Don't let there be a period there. If you have a version of the Bible with a period or a comma at the end of uh, Word of God, scratch it out. It's not there in the original language. It's not there in the original text. So this thought continues. Take up the Word of God, praying. Praying in the Spirit, which... um, I'm sorry, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. With that in mind, let's pray. So, Father, we humble ourselves before your word, and we open our hearts and we open our minds. We pray that you will be honored and glorified tonight in everything that happens. I pray for our lives going forward from here that we will be strong in your might, that we will be strong in you, that our lives will be a reflection of victory in Jesus. We won't be afraid, we won't be dismayed, and we won't allow the enemy to have any more ground in our lives. But God, we will take up these armors, these armaments, and we will take up your word, and we will pray. And we will seek your face, and we will be a church, Lord, that is 
full of the Holy Spirit and full of the Word of God and a church that does serious damage to the kingdom of darkness in North Attleboro, Attleboro, and beyond. I ask for this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Don't just stand there. Pray something. Last week we said that putting on the armor of God, if you were here last week, you might remember what does it mean? It means that you apply biblical doctrine to your life. That's what putting on the armor of God is. Every message, by the way, is built on another in this series. It's been a great part of the series. But last week we, did, we said that. that. That's what it literally means. So you put on the breastplate of righteousness when the devil tells you you're no good because in Christ you have been made righteous. And you take up the shield of faith when you start to obey God in an area of your life or when you're on the precipice of victory. And you start to put on faith, which means you start to get firm in what you believe. You don't just say it, you live it, you believe it. It's in your heart. It's in your mind. It's, it's, it's here. Um, you've heard it, and I've heard it, but how many of us know that we need reminders? We need constant reminders. I mean, I mean, heck, we need reminders where we put our keys when we come home from work. We need reminders for uh, several different things in our lives, and more than anything, we need reminders on what does God's Word say about me? What does God's Word say about God? And then what does God's Word say about me in relation to God? That's putting on the armor. That's knowing the doctrine of God's Word. But it's not just knowing doctrine. And that's what Paul wants to make clearer in Ephesians chapter 6. Because he goes through all these great points, all these pieces of armor, and, and he lists them, and then he doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, just be strong in what you know. Just be firm in what you believe. No, he didn't stop there. He tells them four times with two different words to pray. Don't just know stuff. Don't just be strong in, in doctrine and in Bible knowledge. Pray. Seek God. Go after Him and talking to Him and call on God. There was a lot of churches, they're very strong doctrinally. They know their stuff. They could teach their stuff to anybody. They run seminaries and schools but they're going nowhere in the spiritual realm. There's no spiritual victory because they got head knowledge, but there's no living, vibrant relationship with the Lord. It's a lot of Christians that can quote you chapter and verse, but there's no victory in their life because while they know about God, they don't know God. And tonight I want to challenge you, don't just get dressed in your armor and don't just be one of those Christians that just knows a lot about God and knows a lot about the Bible and can flip to the passage faster than the pastor. But be one of those people. Be a threat to the enemy, not because of just knowing stuff in the Scriptures, but because you have a living, vibrant relationship with your Creator. And His life giving word. It doesn't just flow into you, it flows through you. And it comes out in a relationship. And so tonight and this weekend, it's about prayer. 
We're going to talk about prayer. And some of you, please do not switch on the snooze-o-meter in your mind. Okay, this is going to be the best prayer message you've ever heard in your life. And I just said that by faith. <laughs> you got to live by faith, you know, when you're a preacher. I want to tell you about me. I, I, I struggle to pray. I struggle to pray. It's hard for me to pray. You're like, well, you're a pastor. Don't you get pray, paid to pray? Well, yeah. <laughs> but it's hard. It's hard. I, do you know why? Do you know why I struggle to pray? Because I'm a man. I'm a man. I, and men are fixers. Yes, men, amen. They don't even lift their hands. You see that? They're like, why do I need to lift my hand? It's already there. It's fixed. Men are fixers. We do. They get a problem, they think, I'll take care of it. In fact, the bigger the problem, the more excited they get. They're like, all right, I'm really going to have to get muddy and messy now. You know, there's a flood in my basement. Here I go. I mean, they get excited about getting their hands on, and I think that, that this is a big problem for men when it comes to prayer because we're not talkers, are we? We're not really. Like, we have to talk. We only talk because we have to. If we, if life, we, if we could have life our way, we would never talk, sit on a dock somewhere, and fish. I mean, that's, that's why fishing is so manly, because you don't have to talk to the fish. They don't even want you to talk. You have to be quiet. That's why hunting is so cool for men, too. You have to be quiet. This is the best part about the whole deal. We will sit in the woods in the freezing cold and shut our mouths and be happy as larks. Because we don't like to talk. We don't like to communicate. What you have to understand, ladies, is that when you come home, okay, our words have all been used up. I mean, when we come home, our words have already been used up at the office or at the job. And they've done studies on this. They've done studies that men have 15,000 words per day. 15,000 words per day on average the male speaks. That's his comfort zone. The female is comfortable with 40,000 words per day. This is why so many marriages are in trouble right here, okay? And so what happens, ladies, is we go to work and we spend all our words there. Unfortunate for you. And we come home and you are just bursting because you haven't talked to anybody and you're just ready to, hey, or you have gone to work and you still got like 35,000 words left and you're ready to go with this big conversation and we're just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh-huh. Right? That's where we're at. We're, we're, we're fixers. We want to take the... To the problem and solve. In fact, I want to show you a video that I found. Actually, Nick, our worship leader, found it on YouTube, and I think it's great because this basically shows you exactly the problem that we face. Men and women, men are fixers. They want to solve the problem, and women, they just want to talk it out and explain their feelings. So watch this video. It's just there's all this pressure, you know, and sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, 
You do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just don't try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go on? I mean, that sums it up right there. Amen, somebody. That's, that's my life. That's a lot of men's life. Listen, this is our problem with prayer. We want to fix things. And there are, there's a reality to life with Christ. Not everything is a quick fix. And God is not Mr. Fix-It. Okay? He's personal. He's a personal being. He's He's a God of love and giving and receiving love. And it's, it's an amazing thing about God because God wants to be loved. The greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord your God. So this, this thing that we call life, it really isn't about fixing things. And this is why prayer ultimately is not about just getting your needs met. And ultimately it's not just about you know, making sure you have enough money and enough things and enough happiness in your life because God is not aiming to give you a problem-free life. God is aiming to have a relationship with you. And it happens in conversation. This is why men struggle to pray. This is why some of you struggle to pray. But prayer is a relationship builder. Taking notes, fill in the blanks. Prayer is a relationship builder. It builds our understanding of God and God's peace and joy and contentment and power in us. Please understand the building only goes one way, okay? We are the only ones that benefit from prayer. God is wholly sufficient to himself. We don't do him any good by praying. We do ourselves good by praying because we're made in his image we're made in his likeness, and we are made for God. St. Augustine said that our hearts are restless, and they, are, and they only find their rest in him. That ultimately, every other venue of life, every other angle, every other passion, pursuit, or venture, it falls short of what you were made for. You were made to know your God. You were made to love him. You were made to serve him. Yeah, but you were made to be with God, doing life together, just like Adam and Eve. The Bible says that they walked in the cool of the day with God. That's what we were created for. And so sometimes God will say no to your prayers because he's not out to fix your problems only. 
And sometimes God will let something hang over your life for a long time and you say, well, I don't understand why. Why is this happening right now and right here? And, and, and sometimes the, the problems in our lives are the only thing that get us to our knees. And if it gets us to our knees, it gets us close to our Father. And let me tell you something, that's a good place to be. Paul doesn't say just know a lot of stuff about God. Just be strong in God. He says, pray. Pray and build your relationship with this living God. Remember I said in week two of this series that the enemy's strategy, the whole message was about the enemy. His strategy is not to get you to sin. Satan will be very happy with you if you never sin as long as you don't know God. He's totally okay with that. Because understand, you sinning does not help him. He doesn't benefit from it. Okay, so he'll use sin to keep you from God, yeah. He'll use guilt, he'll use shame, he'll use um, legalism, he'll use a bad experience at a church from 15 years ago to make sure you never darken the door of a church again. Why, because Satan, he doesn't care if you sin, all he cares is that you don't know God. And when you keep that relationship at arm's length and you make God an optional part of your day and, and you don't spend time getting to know your creator, it's like playing into his hand. He loves it, Christian. He loves it when you know this Bible inside and out, but you don't have a living relationship with the author. He loves it. Do you know there's lots of churches that are like that? And they will, they will slam you over the head with the Bible. They'll beat you back in front with the Bible. They'll smack you with the Bible. They're all about the Bible. And they only like one version of the Bible. Usually they're like, every other version is from the devil. But there's no love. You know why? Because they know everything about God, but they've never sought to be close to God. Do you know what the most um, amazing verse in the Bible is to me? Most amazing verse is James chapter four, verse eight. I wanna read it to you. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I find that an amazing verse. I find it amazing because here's what James is saying. The ball is in your court. Here, here, let me say it like this. You are as close to God as you want to be right now. You say, I wish I was close to God. Draw near to him. Draw near to him. Oh, pastor, I wish I had a relationship to God like you do. You can. The ball is in your court. And by the way, my relationship with God is not perfect. So, uh, but you can draw near to him and he's just waiting for somebody who'll draw near to him and guess what he does in return? He draws near to you. Now this God created the world, the heavens and the earth. He knows how everything works. He knows how life should work so that it is at its optimal peak performance. I mean, that is cool, right? How many of you would love to live near a mechanic for your car? 
How many would love that? Because you'd be like, peace, like a river. I have a mechanic next door. And your car breaks out, and you're like, hey, can you come over and show me what to do? I mean, that would be me every single week with my mechanic if he lived next door, but I don't have a mechanic next door. And, and, and this is what I'm talking about with God. He's the ultimate mechanic who knows everything about everything. And you living close to him empowers you. It builds you. It makes you strong. Be strong in the Lord. How? Get close to him. You know this to be true. Your relationships define you. Who you're closest to is who you are becoming like. On the negative side, the Bible even says this, bad company corrupts what? Good character, that who you become close to is who you become like. And when you're, pl- when you're praying, you're getting close to your Father who knows everything about everything. He understands the world. And this is what I know for everybody here. You can have a relationship with God that is so close that life can't throw anything at you that, you don't, that, you, that gets you upset. And you just walk with the confidence. Just walk with the confidence of life that it's all right. I am good. I know who I have in my life. I, I know my Lord, like Job said, because everything was thrown at Job. And he said, I, I don't understand everything, but I know that my Redeemer lives. And in the end, I'll see him, and I'll see him face to face with my own eyes. It's, it's that kind of confidence that comes, ladies and gentlemen. It comes not from just studying the Word. It comes from spending time in prayer with your Father. And if we're going to be a strong church, we're going to be a praying church. It's not going to be because we have great music. It's not going to be because we have great preaching. I believe great music and great preaching are the, are the babies of great praying. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's true. You can clap for that because that's good preaching. Amen. <laughs> Some of us, it's time to up our prayer life. And so I want to list three reasons why many of you don't pray, and I know these reasons because... I know these are your reasons because I asked the Lord and he told me. So, like I said, he knows everything about everything. <laughs> Reason number one why we don't pray. I don't pray because I'm not good enough. I don't pray because I, I, I messed up. I messed up last week or I messed up last night. I messed up right before I came to church or whatever. I'm not a good person. Why would God want to hear me? Why would God want to listen to me? Listen to me. Here's the answer to that. And and then I'll explain the answer. The answer is that God answers prayer not based on your goodness, but on his goodness. And if you're filling out the, the page, let me say it the way it's written. Answers to prayer are based on God's goodness, not our goodness. Answers to prayer are not based on your resume, are not based on what you did this week, Good week, bad week, mediocre week, whatever. Doesn't matter. Your, your God is good all the time. Nothing you do takes away from his goodness. Nothing you don't do takes away from his goodness. And nothing that you do against him takes away from his goodness. God is good all the time. Luke chapter 18, Jesus shares a parable. The, my favorite, one of my favorite parables in the Bible. It's about a widow. 
This widow doesn't have anything to her name and she needs justice from this judge. And Jesus says that she goes before a judge and he describes a judge and he says the judge didn't care about God and the judge didn't care about man. How many know that would be a problem for anybody? And she's a widow. She has no legal rights, no uh, right to own property, no chance. Like on the outside, it looks bad. But she has tenacity. And you can read the parable later. It's in Luke 18. And she just goes after him, and she's bugging him, and she's relentless. She's on his, he's trying to get his golf game in on Saturday, and she comes out the bushes, and she's like, give me something. I need help. He's trying to have a cookout, and she's shouting over the fence, I need help. This guy is finally, his Bible says, Jesus says, he says, I don't care about God, and I don't care about men, but if she doesn't shut up, I'll never get any peace. And he gives in to her request. And Jesus says, hear what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his elect ones and that quickly? And the point of the parable is this, that it wasn't about her goodness and it's not about her, um, uh, her, her reputation. She didn't have one. She was a widow. She was a nobody. It was because she was tenacious and her tenacious spirit overcame even his arrogance and, 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 and indifference to people. And here's what Jesus says, God is nothing like that judge. God is good. God is gracious and he loves you. He's a father. He wants to care for you. He's good. Your answers are not based on your goodness. They are based on his goodness. Amen, somebody? Because that's, that's so helpful. And by the way, that's again why Paul says you got to put on the breastplate of righteousness right there. There it is. So that when you start to pray, you're like, oh, oops. I'm sorry, God. I don't want to interrupt. I did that last week. I'm sorry. You're right. I sore. I did that. Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, no, no. Put the breastplate on. Put the breastplate on. Pick it up. And say, I remember now, according to the scriptures, I'm made righteous by faith in Christ Jesus. Now when God sees me, he doesn't see my sin. He sees the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, the perfect reputation that he has before him. And now God the Father loves me just as much as he loves God the Son. How many of you think, if you really got that in your mind, if you really had that down deep in your heart and in your, and in your spirit, how many think your prayer life would take it up a notch just to know that that's how God is toward you? Do not ever, ever let the enemy come and tell you you're not good enough to pray. That's, a, that's, his, that's, a good, that's his like number one lie. Because he wants to keep you away from knowing God. Now, I will say this, that if you did mess up, the first thing you probably should do in prayer is confess. Yeah, confess and say, God, you know I'm weak and I'm, I'm a sinner and I need to have your forgiveness. And, and so confession is big with God. So that's probably number one. But listen, don't base your prayer life on your reputation. Your God is a good God. Number two reason. I don't pray because I don't know what to say. I don't know how many times I get this from a lot of people. A lot of, lot of people who go to church every week, they're still like, oh, I don't want to pray. We'll have a prayer meeting on, on our first Wednesdays or uh, you know, before the service, and we'll hand people the mic. Say, pray. And they're like, mm. I wouldn't know what to say. <laughs> I mean, I get that. I understand. Okay? Here's, but here's, the, here's a real simple answer. 
When you don't know what to pray for, pray the Word. Pray the Word of God. Now, remember last week when I said, we're going to put it up on the screen, the verses 17 and 18 in Ephesians 6. And I just said it a little while ago when we read it again. That verse 17, um, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying. There's no period, there's no comma, there's no number in the original text. So scratch out number 18. Scratch out the verse number. Yeah, God will not punish you for that. That's not even his word, all right? But he's saying, take up the sword of the Spirit praying. Do you know the most powerful, effective prayer you can pray is, is just pray what God says? Because this is what the Bible is. The Bible is God's will. The Bible is God's revealed will for what God wants. I think you got a good chance at getting an, a, a yes from God when you pray what God wants. I don't know about you, but when my kids ask me for something that I want to actually do, I do it. Like that, we have a place that we go to, uh, I don't know if you do, but uh, we go to Froyo. Anybody down with Froyo? Nobody? You're all a bunch of fatties. It's good for you. Protein, yogurt, nice, come on. Froyo, anybody? Tutti Frutti? Tutti Frutti? Uh, yeah, you people. All right, never mind. It's frozen yogurt, and you go there, and they got the bar there with all the little fixings, and that's, that undoes all the goodness of the protein, of the, of the yogurt. But nonetheless, you add it all up, and they weigh it, and then they charge you per pound. They got a real serious racket going on there. But um, I love Froyo. <laughs> My kids know. If they ask me to go, I'm going. I mean, they want it, but let's be honest, I want it. And if they're going to pray according to my will, amen. So be it. Let the Lord's will, amen, be done. And we'll go. And this is the thing. You can find out what God wants for your life by getting into his word and praying it. Well, I don't know what to do. Okay, here's what I want to tell you to do. Please do not go to the book of Jeremiah or Lamentations. I mean, the name Lamentations should just keep you away. <laughs> you, you, you can go to almost any book in the New Testament. Okay, it's two Testaments. You can go to almost any book. In fact, I would encourage you to go back to Ephesians chapter 1 and pray it. You want to just do it right now real quick? Let's do it together. This is just off the cuff. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Let's just start there because the first two verses are introduction. And he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. What can I pray about that? I can pray, thank you, Lord. Thank you that I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. So when the enemy wants to tell me I'm nothing and I have nothing to give and nothing to offer, hello, not according to the word of God not true. Thank you, Lord, that I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And then he can go on. He can just say, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Father, I pray that you'll help me to be holy and blameless before you. And I thank you that you've already chosen me to do that, so I'm praying your will for this to happen. I mean, it's simple, right? Let's skip a little bit ahead. Let's go to uh, chapter 3. 
For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ on your behalf, assuming you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me, how the mystery is made known to me by revelation and written believe it. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which is not made known to the sons of men and other generations. Now, let's keep going. Um, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Father, I pray that you help me to be a minister of your grace. I pray it not because of my power. I thank you right here, it says, by your power. So when I'm weak today, when somebody says something about me and I want to punch him in the mouth, <laughs> I'm asking for your power in that moment. You can skip ahead to chapter 4. This is where it really gets good. It says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you have received. Well, that's like a no-brainer. Father, before I walk out the door today, help me to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you've given me. Simple. Just start praying the word. Start praying um, some of the Psalms. Somebody uh, raise their hand. Somebody raise their hand. Great. I love a volunteer. Thank you, Carmen. Carmen, throw out a number between 1 and 150. 52. 52. Psalm 52, ladies and gentlemen, just to show you that there is nothing up my sleeves. You have your Bible? Let's go. This is totally off the cuff, but I feel, I feel it's helpful. Psalm 52. Please don't be one of those judgment psalms. <laughs> Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Thank you, Lord, that your love endures all day. When I don't feel it, when I don't believe it, when I struggle this week, when I struggle later on at 3 o'clock, right around that time when I have that low, thank you that your steadfast love endures all day. What are you doing? You're building your relationship with God. You're doing two things. Number one, you're getting to know what he wants, what he's like, and then you're praying that over your life. Isn't that good? And, and you can basically pray almost any psalm, because a lot of the Psalms are prayers. And almost any passage in the New Testament, you know, I was, in, I was in the book of Luke in my own personal devotions last night. And I was reading about Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? What does Zacchaeus do? He climbed the tree to get a hold of Jesus. And then when I was reading it, this word just popped off the page. And it said that, that when Jesus saw Zacchaeus, that he said, hurry up and come down. And the very next word says, and Zacchaeus hurried up and came down. I thought, wow, there's something to the two mentions of hurrying up there. And so I stopped. I said, I, I pray, God, that you'll give me a hurry up spirit. That when you say go, I don't sit there and say, well. That I go right up, right away. I just respond. I want a Zacchaeus spirit. Come on, somebody. And when God asks me to do something, I'm doing it. That's, that's how you do it, though. It's so simple. I don't know what to pray for. Pray God's word. When we try to wing it, it doesn't go well. And, and especially for you, you're new to Christ. Because, you know, you, you, and sometimes, even long-time saved people, when they pray, I always hear two mistakes being made. The number one mistake that I hear being made is that we use God's name way too much. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You've given a prayer service or been in the church any amount of time or in small groups, somebody has to pray, they don't know what to say. So they default to repeating the name of the Lord over and over and over again. Lord, I just pray, Lord. 
That's you, Lord Jesus. We'll help, Lord God. In Jesus' name, us, Lord God, to have a, in Jesus' name, a good day. Could, could you imagine if I talked to my wife, Cheryl, like that? Cheryl, sweet wife, I pray, woman, that you, spouse, will have compassion, Cheryl, too, Cheryl. Make me a sandwich, spouse, Cheryl, spouse. I mean, come on. You don't talk to anybody like that. Why, why do you think God is up there saying, I, I'm so glad you know my name? Spit it out. Spit it out. What, what if I make a mistake praying? So what? Learn. Move on. It's good for you to start stretching your, your you know, spiritual muscles a little bit. Get stronger. The only way you get stronger is by, you know, doing it. You can't just show up at the gym. You got to pull and push, do all that stuff. I mean, just, all right. I think we've covered that. Jesus said, Matthew 7, verse 7, that prayer is a three-pronged three process. It's a very famous scripture. He says, ask, and you what? You receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. He's saying there's three ways to pray. The first is that you actually you ask. You make it known to God, I need you to do this. I need this to happen in my life. So ask. All right, what are you asking for? Are you asking for anything? Because you should be always asking God for something. So ask. And he says, seek. Seek's different than ask. Seek is not just saying, God, I want you to do this. Seek is saying, okay, now what do you say about this? Seek is finding out, what does God want here? Is he good with this? Should I really even be praying for this? That's called seeking the will of God. Again, that's getting into your scriptures and knowing what he wants. Let me just say something, too, about people. Some of you say, well, I can't possibly pray about that. Well, then why is it in your life? Quiet. Oh, I can't pray about them because, you know, you know, the Lord's not happy with that situation. Then get them out of your life as soon as possible. If you can't pray for something, if you can't bring something before God, then you need to stop doing it or you need to stop, you know, being around that thing, whatever it is. Because that's just off, off the table with God. All right, so, but seeking is knowing what he wants. Somebody once said it like this, maturity is measured by the prayers you no longer pray. Isn't that true? Oh, Lord, I need you to give me some money. I need you to give me some money. I need you to give me some money. Money, 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 money. And you stop praying that, and you start praying something like this. Lord, help me to manage the money that I have. You know, that's a different, that's a more mature prayer. Then Jesus says, knock. And I only thought about one thing when it comes to knocking. What do we do when we knock on a door? wait. Sometimes that's what prayer is. You've, you've just knocked. Notice when I'm knocking, I'm not talking. What do you want to say, Lord? That's a two-way street that you can have with your father. You should be having a two-way street with your father. And pray the word. Number three reason. My, my life is pretty good right now. I don't need to pray. This is a big New England deal. 
It really is. Because we New Englanders are proud New Englanders. And we, we think like, well, God's busy with other things. I can't tell you how many New Englanders have told me that. Oh, God, you know, he's got bigger things to do. And so, you know, I just take care of my life. I'm good. I got a good house. I got a good, you know, my job's okay. There's some things I wish I could improve. But, all right, listen. Listen, even if your life is perfect, pray for somebody else. See, the answer is God loves you, but not only you. Pray for other people. Who else are you praying for? Who else is a beneficiary of your prayers? Please remember, Waters Church, everybody is in this battle. Let's make War Series has been great for you, wonderful, but everybody's in a battle. And even non-Christians are in a battle. Even the people you work with are in a battle. And you're like, ah, oh, they're just such a jerk. I just don't like them anymore. I'm just going to avoid them all the time. All right, but are you praying for them? Because maybe they're going through a bad time in their marriage right now. Maybe their kid's struggling with some illness, and they're just taking it out on you. I mean, this is what we don't understand about people. Everybody's in a battle. And if we just had that kind of mentality, you say, oh, I, they, they, they must be going through something. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them when I don't feel like praying for them. And get your eyes off your own problems sometimes. Sometimes your own problems, you take small stuff and you make them huge. Just get over some things, seriously. You know, I was reading a book by Martin Lloyd-Jones. He, he was a preacher in the eight, uh, 1900s in England. And he said this great thing about the Spanish Civil War. He said in the 1930s in Spain, in Portugal, and, uh, in, uh, I'm sorry, all the major cities of Spain, the psychiatric wards were packed with people. Packed. Packed with tons of patients struggling with this illness, that illness, and that illness. And then the war broke out. He says one of the first things that happened after the war started was all the psychiatric institutions suddenly emptied out. Everybody was suddenly more concerned with other things than their own little issues in their head. Well, how's my family going to do? Are my kids going to be okay? What's going to happen? Where am I going to live now? And the bigger issue of the war dwarfed their small little issues that it had ended them up in an insane asylum. I mean, that's how we can make mountains out of molehills. And I just thought to myself, who here needs to understand that the war is bigger than your problems? The kingdom of God is bigger than your issues. You need to stop praying for your little, little things and your little, little issues and this little, that, and this little thing and start praying, your kingdom come, Lord, your will be done. If that's the only thing that happens, I'm good. I'm good with that because this is bigger than me. And, and, and so you pray for other people. How about this? Right now, there are missionaries being tortured for Christ right now. Let's pray for them. Right, right now, there are, there's probably someone you know and their child has cancer. Are you praying for them? Kind of makes your issues smaller. I thought about for our church, let's commit to praying for other churches in the area. Because Waters Church is not the only church in this town. We might be the best church. <laughs> but we're not the only church. I mean, there's, I, I'm thrilled by the churches in this area that preach the gospel. You know, preach the word of God. I love, I'm not in competition with them. 
And by the way, a lot of you people come from some of those churches. So you were watered by them and you're getting fertilized by me. I thank God for the work that they did in your life. And let me just say, if you've got bad feelings about another church in this town, please don't tell us. I'm on their team. Those are my teammates. I love them. I want them to succeed. Don't get all up in our face about, well, they did this in my old church, and I don't want them. I want to make sure you never do that. Please don't do that. We are here for, the, for Jesus Christ and to reach people and to make a dent in the devil's kingdom. All right, so you love me? Amen. Uh, and then <laughs> answer number 3B. Answer number 3B is pray for your pastor. Look what Paul says in verse 19. And pray also for me. We can have the band start coming back up. Pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Do you know why I love that verse? Do you know why I love this verse? This is my favorite verse of the whole chapter. Because Paul the Apostle, the man who wrote half of our New Testament said, sometimes I struggle with boldness. I need you to pray for me for that. There's not a pastor in the world that doesn't struggle with that, by the way. What do you mean by boldness? I mean being bold enough to say it even if nobody likes it. And let me say, you need a church like that where a pastor will tell you the truth. And he's not scared of the repercussions. He'll speak the truth of God's word. And and there's not a single pastor in this country that isn't starting to get under the attack of the enemy. As as the culture continues to move and sway the the, the majority and the numbers start to move towards anti-Christian stuff, there's not a pastor in the area that's not sitting there saying, what's going to happen now? Am I going to see my church empty when I preach the truth or what? And there's that temptation to back off, water it down, compromise. And let me say something. A compromised word is good for nobody. You're the beneficiary of a good preaching, a good, bold pastor. You are the beneficiaries of however bold and, and, and word of God centered I continue to be so I'm asking for your prayers I'm asking that you pray that I be bold some of you it's the first time you're like you have no problem with boldness <laughs> I understand that I understand that that's my personality though I'm half Italian okay but um, yeah yeah no seriously the enemy comes in and he tries to trip me up all the time prayers. I need your prayers so that everybody that comes in this room, whether they agree or they disagree, they will feel the presence of God and they will know this is what God says. They may not like it, but this they, they, at least they will know this is what God says. And we'll let the chips fall where they may. Any, amen, somebody? Amen. Let's, let's stand together and